they go. You know, they say pride is like bad breath. Everybody knows you have it, but you. When it comes to pride or it comes to arrogancy, uh, Paul will use the word here when we get in the text, boasting. You know, what are the things that we brag about? What are the things that we tend to boast about? What are the things that we tend to talk about? You know, as parents, eventually it becomes our kids. You know, I'm in the stage of life right now where, you know, you gotta be careful not to live your childhood through your children, um, which some of us do when it comes to sports or different things. And so now that I've got the boys and they're starting to get involved in sports and the things that I enjoy, you know, it's, it's easy to get wrapped up in that. Um, they'll never be as good as I was in anything, but they're pretty close, right? And, and so we, we brag on our kids and I, I brag on them and accomplishments and what they're doing and, and where they are. Um, I have a daughter that's graduating uh, from high school and she's salutatorian, going to be salutatorian, one of the four, I think, or two or three or a bunch of them um, this year and heading off to college. And it's easy to brag on her and talk about her and the things that she's accomplishing and what she's doing. And, and then I have Candace, and um, I haven't got to bragging on her yet. One day I'll be able to. Uh, just kidding, Candace. Uh, Candace is special as my, my baby. Uh, if you get her phone and you want to call me, dad is not in her phone. My contact name for her and her phone is The Bank. Uh, so that tells you our relationship right there. As we get older, you know, as I look at my mom and dad, if you want to know if my children are perfect or my brother's children are perfect, they are. If you ask her, um, her grandchildren can do no wrong. And she brags on them. And now that they have a dog, she talks about the dog all the time and brags on their puppy and the, the dog that they have. You know, and, and prior to children, or if the God doesn't give children, what do we talk about? We talk about our jobs, talk about our accomplishments, talk about the things that we are able to do in life. Um, we get together with friends, or we talk about our high school days and the things we did in high school and, and bragging about high school and things along those lines. And so when we talk about boasting, or we talk about bragging, or we talk about pride, okay, we find something to put that in. And we like to talk about those things. And, you know, going to speaking at this camp for the last couple of days, uh, one of the men there was a, a young man that was my brother's age, two years younger than me, and we grew up together. And, man, we had, we had a lot of fun um, for about those, those 24-hour period talking about the good old days. And he doesn't forget anything. Some things I think he makes up, but it's still funny uh, to hear his stories and telling stories and bragging about what it was like. And, and he made this statement, oh, we could go on, Trey, of the some of the crazy stuff we did when we were kids. And I'm like, shut up, my kids are right here. They don't need to hear it. But just telling stories and talking and bragging, and, and that's what we do. You know, you, you, in, in places of business, we talk about how our businesses are going in parenting our kids Okay, in, in life, how life is going in school, how my classes are going. And, and we talk about those things and we brag on those things and we boast of those things. And when you look in the Bible, I don't think there was anyone that had more to boast of than the Apostle Paul. Man, 
okay, this guy wrote half of our New Testament. And you look at the churches that the Apostle Paul planted, and you look at the people that he put into positions, and, and the men of God that he trained to continue on those things with Titus and Timothy and, and others that went on to accomplish great things for God, all of which Paul had a part in their lives and a part in discipling them. And, and, and you look at the preaching that he did and, and you look at his life and how many people have God just speak to them in time of their salvation and, and have that conversation with God and chosen for a specific purpose, not only to preach, but to suffer for his sake. Paul had bragging rights. You know, he had been there and done that. There wasn't a soul that could come up and say, well, I've done this and I've done that. They could even compete with the apostle Paul. And if he wanted to brag, man, he could brag. You want to go to my past? Let's go to my past. You want to go to degrees? Let's look at my degrees. You want to go to training? Let's look at my training. Okay, you, you want to look at, at, at pedigree? Let's, let's look at pedigree. You want to look at the family history and my family tree? Let's look at it. Nobody could touch Paul. And now, as we looked at last week, Paul is up against these super apostles. And these super apostles are bragging on who they are and what they are and what they've accomplished and, and what they've done. And, and Paul comes into this and he's like, man, I, I don't want to boast and I don't want to brag and I don't want to glory in my past. Matter of fact, I think he mentions boasting and glorying more than he most talks about Jesus in this book. But he's come to a point at the end where he's trying to make his point and he, he's trying to get that point across. And that's exactly what he does. And so if you take your Bibles and you go to 2 Corinthians 12, we're going to see some boasting from the Apostle Paul. He says, look, it's embarrassing for me to talk about this. Okay, it's embarrassing me for to boast on this. And, and Paul, as you look, he boasts on ministry, he boasts on his love for the people of Corinth. And here we see him boasting on some visions and prophecies that God gave him. And he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2, I know a man. All right, who was the man? It was him. <laughs> so Paul, Paul's talking second, third person here. I know a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Okay, Paul says, whether this happened to me in the body or happened to me out of the body, I cannot tell. This was in body experience or out of body experience. But here's what I do know. I was caught up to the third heaven. Now we talk about the heavens, you took it, heavens in the Bible, we, we have the first heaven, we see second heaven stars and the planets, and then we talk about this third heaven mentioned three times, I believe, in our scriptures. It's, it's this paradise, today you'll be in paradise, it's that third heaven that's there in the presence of God, God's domain, if you will. And he was caught up into that third heaven. And Paul says, when I was there, I heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Whoa. All right, look. We think about, think about bragging rights. That's bragging rights. Now, you've all, maybe not all of you, but many of you have had people come to you and tell you about a vision or something God has told them. You know, Paul is taken out of body. He's taken into heaven. He's seeing things. He's hearing things. You know, today, if that happens, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to come back and make a movie, you know, write a book, be on interviews and, and talk to Oprah and tell them all about what heaven was like. Here's one of the greatest men to ever walk the face of the earth. And he says, I can't speak of it. I'd want to. He says, I can't. It was so great. It was so wonderful. I'm not permitted even to speak of the things 
which I saw when I was there. Now, Paul says, look, I've had all of this. If anyone can brag, top that. Top this time with God. Top being with God. Top going to heaven. It's not there. In verse 5, he says, Of such a one will I glory, or I boast, or I brag about, yet of myself I will not glory. All right, why not? I mean, come on, Paul, you, you've got bragging rights, right? You, you could tell these stories. You could talk about heaven. You, you could do all of this better than anyone and Paul, he never talks about this. This is the only time we see this in all of the scriptures. Again, if this was us, we'd be preaching it everywhere. But before I get started, let me tell you about the time I went to heaven, right? Let, let me tell you about this conversation that I had with Moses when I was there. Let me tell you what Moses looks like. Wow, that'd be quite something. He says, I'm not going to do it. So it doesn't matter. Man, right there, we could just pause and time out, and look at our own lives, and see what our boasting is in. See, what is it that we are talking about? What is it that we broadcast? What is it that we proclaim? What is it that we tend to boast to others about? Paul's like, I'm not going to do it. But notice what he says here, verse 5, but in mine infirmities. Okay, notice what he says over in 1130. If I must needs glory, okay, if, if I've got to build myself up, if I've got to write a biography, if I've got to put a bio link in my, my LinkedIn page, <laughs> all right, I'm not going to put this. You know, we, we, we build ourselves up in our resumes, we build ourselves up in our biographies, we build ourselves up in our social media page of all these things that we've done and accomplished. Paul says, look, if I've got to build a bio, I'm not doing it. But here's what I will talk about, a glory in my infirmities. What? Paul says, if I'm going to write a biography, if I'm going to do a resume, it's going to be about my weaknesses. It's going to be about that which I can't accomplish. It's going to be about that which I can't do. It's going to be about these failures. It's going to be about these hardships. That's what he's going to write about? Yeah. And then he goes on, if we go back to 12, and, and we continue on there in verse 6, For though I would desire to glory, I'll not be a fool. For I will say the truth. For now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be or heareth me to be. I'm not going to brag because I don't want to put myself on the pedestal. I'm not going to be the one to lift myself up. You know, I'm not going to be the one to put myself there. And he says, why? Verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure. You know, Paul's philosophy in life was this. Okay, it's not I, but who? It's not I, but Christ. And, and Paul wanted to make sure that no one and no man received the glory for anything that was done but Christ. And that, that's not easy to do, okay? And, and it's, it's strange, and it goes against our nature, and I'm not even sure we've got it figured out. I definitely don't have it figured out. 
you know, how do you speak? And I'm, I'm speaking at the father-son retreat and people are coming up and they're shaking my hand or they're giving me a hug and they say, man, that was just so good. That was so powerful, da, 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 da. How do I respond to that? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, it's not me, it's Christ. But if I were to say, well, it's not me, it's Christ, they'd be like, what? And, and how, do we, how do we give glory to God? And, and how do we exalt God in our talking? And how do we exalt God in these circumstances? You know, I, I forget which preacher it was. I don't know, an old preacher of the day. After he got done preaching, he was walking out. Somebody shook his hand and said, you know, preacher, that was the greatest message I've ever heard. And the preacher said, yeah, I know. Said Satan told me that just as I was stepping off the platform. What was he saying? Pride. And, and so it is difficult. And in situations like that, I mean, I look at it as just using the gifts God's given me to use and praise the Lord. That's the only thing I can say is praise the Lord. If God can take, um, you know, me and use me for his glory, praise the Lord. Uh, it was, you know, this weekend, it's just kind of a good reminder of, of who I am and thinking back and looking at camp and remembering of where I've come from and, and where that is. It's, it's not me, folks. It's not me. It's the Lord. And that's for all of us. It's not you, it's Christ. It's Christ in you. And that's why Paul says, but by the grace of God, you know, there go I, or, or, or I am what I am, and but by the grace of God, there go I. As, as we think about our past, as we think about our backgrounds, as we think about these things. So Paul looks back, obviously Paul, he talks in 11, we'll look at that in a second, that, that he was the man. But yet he still says, that's not what I'm gonna glory in. And here's what he says, notice. Lest I should glory, okay, verse seven, above measure through the abundance of the revelations that was given to me. And notice what he says, a thorn in the flesh. You know, we talk about our thorns in the flesh. And I don't know what a thorn in the flesh is. We don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh is. You know, Paul writes, I think it's in Thessalonica, you see how large a letter I write unto you. And a lot of people believe it was his eyesight. And his eyesight was a thorn in the flesh. And, and Paul, when he, I mean, his gift was writing. And he got to a point where he couldn't write, so he had to have Luke write on his behalf, or Theophilus, or whoever. And because of the, the thorn in the flesh that he had with his eyesight, um, others think it maybe it was a, a, a specific sin. Maybe it was pride that Paul was dealing with. I, I don't know. We don't know. We can speculate and we can talk about it. But the point is, it really doesn't matter. He says, though, a thorn in the flesh, but, but notice this thorn in the flesh. Where did it come from? He says, man, I have been cursed with a thorn in the flesh. Let me tell you, if any of you have IBS, irritable bowel, Crohn's, or colitis, you've been blessed with a thorn in the flesh. Man, I hate it. But it wasn't a curse. Notice what he says, it was given to me. It was given to me. It was a gift. Huh? I can tell you right now, my Crohn's is far from a gift. So this cancer is far from a gift. Okay, this, this child that I spent so much time working with when they were babies, and now that they're five, I can tell you this baby is no gift. <laughs> but he says, this was a gift given to me, a thorn in the flesh. This gift was a messenger of Satan. What? Yeah, a messenger of Satan to buffet me? Okay, what, 
buffet. It's, I don't, it's beat. God has given me this gift. He allowed Satan to do it just to beat me down. Lest I be exalted above measure. You know, nothing transpires in our lives and nothing comes to us as Christians before it first goes through the throne of grace. Okay, so, so nothing, Satan, yeah, Satan's alive and well. I mean, Satan killed Job's kids. Satan tore down his barns. Satan works as an angel of light. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan and Satan's forces are real. And we are in a battle. But let me tell you this, there is no soldier of Satan or Satan himself cannot just walk up to you without first going through the throne of grace. Satan is just a pawn in the hand of an almighty God. And we can't say that Satan is attacking me. We can say God has given me this attack from Satan. And, and you know, I've said before, and some of you have heard me say it, we talk about the fiery darts of the devil. And I feel like Satan is standing up on the hill on one of those balconies of one of those apartments. And, it, and it's not fiery darts he's shooting down on us. Man, he's got an automatic weapon that's just firing at will. And in life that, that I've lived since moving to Morgantown has been quite interesting to say the least and the things that God has taken me through. And in a lot of that, I can't help but think that, okay, Satan was trying to take us out and God allowed it to happen as a messenger of Satan just to beat me down. And why? Lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul says three times I went to the Lord on this. Now, when it comes to prayer, I, I don't think that three times necessarily is a magic number. Only once in my entire life have I ever done the three-time prayer. And it was when I was a senior in college. Uh, you know, college was expensive. Uh, you know, Pensacola Christian College wasn't necessarily outrageous, but it was still a lot of money for us. And I had worked my tail off all every semester in college, I was working almost 30 hours a week. I would literally, I'd get done with classes at three o'clock. I would come home. I'd throw ramen in the hot pot. I'd eat ramen as quickly as I could. I would leave my sophomore year and go to Home Depot and work until Home Depot closed and help close the store. And my junior and senior year, I was the one calling you when you were eating dinner back in the day when your phone was on the wall and said, hey, this is Trey Spicer. And I'm calling you on behalf of, you know, Roy Stouffer, Nationwide Insurance right there in Michael and Roy would love to give you a discount on your insurance if you would just give him a chance and all I need is some basic info and he'll be calling you in the morning to give you a discount with nationwide insurance and so companies like that would hire our company and we'd call from California for actually we start on the east coast and call to the west coast okay from five till ten every single night four till ten sometimes Saturday mornings eight till noon it was my senior year, and that's all I had done. I'd worked, and I'd gone to school. And I just wanted to enjoy college life. What would it be like to finish classes and actually just be able to hang out? I didn't know. And so three times I went to God, and I said, all right, God, I don't know how this can happen, and I don't know how it can transpire, but I would love just to spend one month acting like a real, not a real college student, but a college student that doesn't have to work. Just went three times to the Lord with that. 
it was time for my April bill to come up and, and I went to the computer and we had a, our ID card. I swiped my name and my bill came up and it was green instead of red. That had never happened in four years. And I exited out, I scanned again and it was green again. And I go, okay, something's up. And I went up to the business office. I said, hey, you know, the computer's saying I've got a credit. I know I don't have a credit. I've still got to make April and the final month of May's payment. Um, what's going on? They said, well, let us check. They came back and they said, no, you've got a credit. I said, how in the world do I have a credit? And they said, well, when you came here, you transferred in and, you know, you started with a scholarship and it was supposed to kick in the last semester um, of every year, but you've, you've done, I did a ton of classes so I could graduate on time, worked in the summers again and, and the winter. And they said, since you're graduating early, we're just going to go ahead and give you that $1,000 now. They said, actually, we owe you money. You don't owe us for the rest of the year. Man, that's a miracle that God did. That's one I won't forget. And I went to God three times with that. Other than that, I can't say that I've ever done it. Paul says he goes to God three times, okay, with this thorn in the flesh. And notice what God answers in verse nine. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. What? I'm pleading for God to take this away. And God says, no, Paul. I'm not going to take it away because my grace is sufficient for you. My strength, my power is made perfect in this weakness. So God, we talk about God saying yes, no, and maybe. Okay, God looks at Paul and God says, no. I'm not. No, I have given you, or I've given you this thorn in the flesh. You know, it's Jesus is talking to the disciples. You know, I've prayed for you because Satan would sift you as wheat. And, and Satan did, and God allowed it to happen. And God specifically allowed it to happen to Peter. God is allowing this and giving this to Paul, this thorn in the flesh that he's battling, that he's going through. And he's like, look, I, I've given you this and my grace is gonna be sufficient through it. We, we have a statement, it's cliche. You know, you, you know it, you could finish the, bank, the, the blank here, fill in the blank. God will never give us more than we can what? Yeah, we can handle. And, and I've had people looking at me, people who were lost, people that didn't know Jesus, saying, if God can't give us more than he can handle, then why is he giving me this? Because I can't handle this. I was like, well, man, you're not even a believer. There's no way you can handle this. Okay, but we want to blame God and the lost want to blame God when we go through these things. But if I am in the midst of a thorn in the flesh and, and I'm facing this difficulty in my life and I'm facing this hardship, it says right here, the Apostle Paul, who knows it more than anyone and through God himself, where God says, look, my grace is sufficient. What does that mean? My grace is sufficient. As I have this thorn in the flesh, God's grace is sufficient. God gets us through what we need to get through. I've battled, we'll start with Crohn's disease since probably 2011. Extremely sick at times, extremely ill at times. Okay, there have been times in my life where I've literally had eight ulcers 
in my mouth and on my tongue and in my throat. Couldn't eat, couldn't drink. You know, just think of a fever blister you would get, but think about, about eight of those in your mouth at one time. I went to the ER to see if there was anything they could do and literally when the doctor looked at it, he went, oh, misery. Okay, those same ulcers all the way down through my gut and my intestines. Misery. Yet in the midst of that, God makes it clear he wants me to go to Africa. How in the world can I make a trip to Africa in a condition like this? I had no idea. And I remember saying, Lord, if you want me to go, you're gonna have to take care of me. And you know, I got on that plane and flew 20 hours to Johannesburg. I spent 14 days in Johannesburg in Cape Town and never once got sick. I'm sick every day of my life. Never once got sick. You know what that is? That's grace that's sufficient. I've preached every Sunday for you know, however many years, Wednesday nights, and only one time in hundreds of sermons have I ever had to leave the pulpit to go be sick and then to come back. That's a miracle when you think about the life that I was living. That's sufficiency. That's God not taking away my disease. That's God not taking away the messenger of Satan Okay, if we want to call it that, that, that's been given to me. But that's God's grace being sufficient in the time that I needed it to be there. And relying upon God's sufficiency as I go through it. As people lose loved ones and they go through those difficulties, I don't, man, how do you pray? Sufficiency. God, I pray that your grace will just be sufficient in this time of need. And God says, my grace is there. My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in this weakness. Now notice what he says. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my weaknesses. I will glory in these hardships. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says, I'm not going to glory in the athleticism of my children. I am not going to glory in my grandchildren or great-grandchildren. I'm not going to glory in the fact that my name is still on the top of the list in my high school's trophy room that nobody ever looks at when they walk past it but me when I go visit my high school, you know, once every five years. I'm not going to glory in the things that I've accomplished. I'm not going to glory in my business. I'm going to glory in this. I'm gonna glory in my weakness because it's in my weaknesses that the power of Christ is upon me. It's in these weaknesses that I see that God is able to use me. And so now it's not only is Paul taking pride, if you wanna use that word, in his weaknesses, but he also takes pleasure in them. I mean, what? Look at verse 10. I take pleasure in it. I take pleasure in infirmities. I'm taking pleasure in these reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. What? Take pleasure in it? When's the last time you've taken pleasure in an infirmity? When's the last time we can say, man, I'm just enjoying this phase of life and suffering that God has given to me? 
I am just enjoying these last few months of unemployment since I've lost my job and I have no work. I'm just enjoying this, these treatments that I'm going through. I, I'm just enjoying this sickness of laying in bed and not knowing if there's any hope of tomorrow. And Paul says, I'm enjoying this. I'm taking pleasure in these infirmities. Why? Because when I'm weak, then am I strong. It's not I, but it's who. It's Christ in me. When we are in the midst of a suffering, when we are in the midst of a trial, it's very hard to have this attitude. You know, I struggled greatly when God was taking me through the trials he was taking me through. You know, when you're, when you're running 17 miles and it's an easy run at a seven minute and 30 pace, when you're running 20 miles in Morgantown at a 730 pace, even if you don't know running, that's fast. I can only dream of that now. And I'm doing that one week and the next week after my heart attack, I'm walking down Westbrook Drive and I make it about a quarter to a half a mile and I'm like this and I can't even catch my breath and I'm sweating. That's hard to handle. That's not when you're laying there praising God or sitting there praising God for grace. You're asking God, why in the world am I going through this right now? God, why are you taking me through this? God, what have you done? Why? No, I'm serving you. I'm, I've done everything you've wanted me to do. I, I've given my life to you and now you're giving me this? We don't understand in the midst of it. We don't understand the whys, why we are going through it. But five years later, looking back, my situation just happened to be of one where now, okay, I get it. I see it. I woke up Thursday morning about 3 a.m. after the heart cath, after the heart attack, and I'm lying there in that hospital bed I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing here? Our college students, our med students were coming by and visiting me on their way to class. I remember one coming in about five, another one came in about 5.30 Thursday morning after the heart attack. And I'm laying there and I turned on the golf channel um, because they talked quietly and there was sunshine. And I just watched the golf channel uh, all morning long and as I was laying there by myself as those guys came in but you're lying there on that bed and you're thinking, what in the world am I doing here? Why? What has just transpired? Why has this happened to me? And when you're there in the moment, you have no clue. Nothing makes sense. Nothing adds up. You can't call God and say, hey, what's up, God? And even if God would have told me, I'm not sure I would have been convinced that I would have been happy with the answer. And again, this is subjective to me, but just allow me, like Paul, to tell my story. It took a long time for me to come out of that. I shared my testimony of the heart attack one time in five years. Why? Because I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to go there. I never shared my testimony with you as a church after that. Why? Because I didn't want to talk about it. It was too hard. It was too difficult. 
still is. I've still only shared it less than five times in five years. But now I'm seeing where God is taking that and he is using that for his glory. So this weekend, it wasn't in my notes. I wasn't gonna do it. And the pastor that hosted this, Tony Guerin, um, Tony was a friend when I was in Ohio. Tony's about 60 years old. He's got a daughter that's a student up at Waynesburg. And, and he, he put his arm around me and he's like, are you gonna tell your story? I said, I don't think so, Tony. He's like, I think you should tell your story. You are who you are in Christ and these men need to know who you are in Christ. I said, okay. So Saturday morning, the little guys, Tony took them away and he did something with them so I could share my story with the 13 and ups. And now, again, um, when we got to this retreat, as I'm in my khakis and my, my dress shoes and my boys are dressed up, I'm like, look, we're going in having dinner and having chapel, so dress up. And then we get there and Kate's like, dad, I think we're at a Duck Dynasty retreat. And it was pretty much that way. We were definitely not prepared for the occasion um, and how we were dressed. And there were some men, men there, and there were some awesome beards there. And, and so, you know, that's who we are and, and, and mistake made. But the boys told me last night, they said, Dad, when you were sharing your story, a lot of those guys were crying. So here's your men's men, you know, tears running down their face. Because of me? Because of who I am? No, because of Christ. And, and I'm just sharing my story of what Christ has taken me through and it's to him that gets the glory for all of that. And God is using that for his glory. I shared it at Pensacola at Campus Church on a Wednesday night in November. And Thursday morning, because of time change, I'm up really early instead of five at four. And I go to a coffee shop when it opens and I'm sitting there drinking coffee. And there's a table of retired men here in the corner and one of them says, hey, preacher. Like, how does he know I'm a preacher? Hey, preacher, come here and tell these guys your story. Tell them what you told us last night. I said, oh, were you at church last night? No, I watched online, but I want you to tell them. It's like, okay. And so I sit down. They say, here, take up a chair. And there's probably six, seven of them there. And I sit down. And I begin just to give an abbreviated version of my testimony. And he's like, no, tell them this part. And this guy was listening. <laughs> tell them that part. It's like, Okay. And, and so I'm, I'm telling this as we're drinking coffee and, and I'm watching one of them. These guys aren't believers. One is, they're all not. You could tell in conversation before I got started. And, and one of them, and he just started crying. And he got up and he left. I, I didn't see him after that. Is that me? Did I cause that to happen? Did I excel through that? Did I rejoice in it? No, I was a failure through it. Okay, there were times in my life I didn't want to face another day. There were days that I was on the couch, I didn't want to talk to anybody, I didn't want to see anybody, I didn't care. But yet God has used this for what? His glory. And Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities and in these weaknesses so that the power of Christ may be seen in me. And then he says, if you want to talk about bragging, let me brag this way. Go back to chapter 11 and look at his bragging rights. Verse 23. In labors abundant, stripes above measure, in prison, in death. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one, but who's counting? 
Three times was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day was I floating, okay, on some lumber out in the deep. In journeys, in terrors of water, in terrors of robbers, in terror of my own countrymen, okay, in terrors of sufferings of the heathen, in terrors in the city, in terrors in the wilderness, terrors in the sea, terrors among false teachers, in weirdness, in pain and weakness, in watchings and hunger and thirst, fastings, I was cold, and no clothes. He tells Timothy when he was in Rome, bring my coat, it's cold, I'm cold. He says, and besides all that, the care of the churches that's upon me, your church, Thessalonica, Ephesus, Philadelphia, Philippi, these churches I'm burdened with, who is weak? Yeah, I'm weak. Then he says, if I'm going to glory, this is what I'm glorying in. Not in my credentials, not in my degrees, not in my education, not in the churches that I have planted, okay, not in the things that I have accomplished, but what only God could do through me. I don't know where you are this morning. I know many of you are going through things because we've talked in the last couple of weeks that no one in this church really understands. Some of you are going through things right now that I know that your family has no idea that you're even going through. You're facing perils. Some of you have got a messenger of Satan that's just beating the snot out of you right now and you don't know why. Can I encourage you to take hope? Can I encourage you that God does nothing for naught? There's nothing that you have faced, there's nothing you've gone through as a child of God that he has not planned, that he has not purposed, and that he has not put in your way to use for his honor and his glory. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. It's in these infirmities, it's in these weaknesses, it's in this trial that you're in right now that one day God will be glorified, that God will be honored. Things we might not understand, things we might not even be able to conceive, maybe even on this side of glory, but one day we will see how Christ used it mightily and how God used it mightily in us. Don't lose hope. And if you're gonna glory in anything, let's glory in the infirmities that God is using through us. Father God, we love you. And as we examine our own hearts this morning, I know as I was preaching, even though it had been with my infirmities, there are many here who are thinking about what they're going through right now. Father, I could see it in their eyes as they were looking. And God, as they're going through this trial, God, I just, I lift them up before you. As someone who's been there, done that, I know what the pain and the hurt is, the uncertainties of even tomorrow. But God, I, as only you can do, give them your grace that is so sufficient. God, give them help in this time of need. And Lord, I pray that you'll just help them to find a peace that only comes through you. And God, even though it's hard, I pray that you will just allow their eyes to be opened 
to what you're doing in and through them, what you will do through their testimony and through their life for years to come. God, we just thank you for what you've done for us. As we close this morning, I do want you just to think about what God has done in and through your life, what God is maybe doing in the lives of others. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. We're going to vote and do the deacon vote here in a second. But prior to that, I just want you to think about yourself or maybe someone else that you know is going through something or a difficult trial right now. Pray for them. Send them a card and let you know you're praying for them. Let them know that you're lifting them up before the throne of grace. And maybe if it's you right now and you're like, oh, nobody can send me a card because nobody knows what I'm going through. There's nobody in this church that even can comprehend what I'm facing. That could be true. But can I tell you this? You have a great high priest who knows exactly what you're facing. No matter what you're going through right now, I can promise you this, you've not been crucified unjustly for something you didn't do. In pure obedience and love, he did that for us. Go to Christ. Give this to him today. And now, as a matter, heads bowed, we're just gonna do it with our eyes closed, church business. Tyler Hall greeted you as you came in in the car. Tyler grew up in Africa as a mission kid. You as a church nominated him as a deacon. I just need to make it official. So as members of Faith Baptist Church, if you are joined our church and you are a member, I wanna call the church to a vote. And how many in our church this morning would vote Tyler Hall in as a deacon for the next two years of Faith Baptist Church? Would you do so by signing with me a raised hand? All in favor, raise hand. Okay, would oppose, please do the same. All right. Tyler Hall is now officially a deacon in Faith Baptist Church. You may lift your heads, and Tim's going to come and lead us in our closing hymn. Standing this morning, let's stand together.